Journeying with Newman, The Path to Sainthood. Newman on the Drama of Existence. I'm Victoria Newman-Seed, and I work for the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales in catechesis. Previously, I was a university lecturer in philosophy, with a particular interest in the role of narratives in moral formation. Stories, whether told in poetry or prose, have a stunning power to take us out of our comfortable understanding of ourselves and the world, to bring novelty to the familiar, and to shift our perspective in a way decisive to our moral lives. They might not always expand our moral knowledge like more discursive texts do, but they can present truths that they tug at our heartstrings, prick at our conscience, or stiffen our resolve in a way that syllogisms simply don't. As a young lecturer named Newman, I was intrigued by the work of the venerable Newman, as he then was, particularly on conscience. But what truly captivated me, and has kept me his devoted acolyte, is Newman's ability to make the same truths he discussed in his essays real, compelling, and beautiful in his poetry and hymns. And that's why I've selected this passage from the Dream of Gerontius, which is spoken by the eponymous hero's guardian angel. O Lord, how wonderful in depth and height, but most in man how wonderful thou art! With what a love, what soft persuasive might, Victorious o'er the stubborn fleshly heart, thy tale complete of saints thou dost provide, to fill the thrones which angels lost through pride. He lay a grovelling babe upon the ground, polluted in the blood of his first sire, with his whole essence shattered and unsound, and coiled around his heart a demon dire, which was not of his nature, but had skill to bind and form his opening mind to ill. Then was I sent from heaven to set right the balance in his soul of truth and sin. And I have waged a long, relentless fight, resolved that death-environed spirit to win, which from its fallen state, when all was lost, had been repurchased at so dread a cost. Oh, what a shifting, party-coloured scene of hope and fear, of triumph and dismay, of recklessness and penitence, has been the history of that dreary, lifelong fray. And oh, the grace to nerve him and to lead, how patient, prompt, and lavish at his need. Oh, man, strange composite of heaven and earth, majesty dwarfed to baseness, fragrant flower running to poisonous seed, and seeming worth cloaking corruption, weakness mastering power, who never art so near to crime and shame as when thou hast achieved some deed of name. How should ethereal natures comprehend a thing made up of spirit and of clay, were we not tasked to nurse it and to tend, linked one to one throughout its mortal day? More than the seraph in his height of place, the angel guardian knows and loves the ransomed race. Now, the angel who speaks these words has accompanied Gerontius since his birth. It's a vivid view of human nature, but the picture of our fallen state is the same as you'll find in any faithful theological account. There's no new truth nor theological innovation in Newman's verse. However, 
Seen from the vantage of the angel, the cosmic significance of the fall and of Christ's sacrifice upon the cross are revealed as something very near to us, as something that gives narrative and shape to each human life, as something that's experienced, not merely believed. The epic story of fall and redemption, the battle between sin and grace, these are not things only found in arcane texts or preached about from the pulpit. This drama is occurring at every moment of every human life, for Gerontius is each one of us. The angel brings us to stand at the moment of Gerontius's death, the point at which all other perspectives and concerns fade away, and a single question remains. Is this man's soul ruled by truth or sin? This is the question at death because it has been the question all along, at every stage of life, whatever distractions may have occurred along the way. And it is almost impossible to truly take up the perspective of the angel in this verse without being reminded of how much of our everyday life is mired in distraction. We can easily live without awareness of the relentless battle the angel describes, indeed without awareness of heaven at all. Now, angels do not have this struggle. If they do not fall at their creation, they are eternally and serenely united with the will of God. And so there is a note of wonder as the angel describes not only the volatility of human nature, but also the grace that God showers upon each human creature. I love this stanza. Oh, what a shifting party-colored scene of hope and fear, of triumph and dismay, of recklessness and penitence has been the history of that dreary lifelong fray. And oh, the grace to nerve him and to lead, how patient, prompt, and lavish at his need. The novelty of the angel's perspective can restore to us some of the wonder we often lose in the oppressive cares of everyday life. It can break the grip of the mundane and remind us of the vast and urgent theodrama into which we are born. It can also resensitize us to the patient, prompt, and lavish grace of God, which so often remains unnoted in our victories, and remind us that it is only by the help of this grace that we can hope to mount a throne in his heavenly kingdom and sit among the angels singing his praises.